many hands make light work, right? I love that. I love that. He's writing them down, and, and he, gets, he gets most of them right. Except for, we're going through these, and one of them I think is have, H-A-V-E. Something with a silent E. And he didn't put the E on there. He left the silent E off of it. And I'm going through and checking the spelling words. I said, hey, buddy. I said, you got to put the E on there. Why? He said. And in fact, he looks at it and he says, I got it mostly right. I just didn't put the E on there. It's a silent E anyway. Now, to be perfectly honest, in my head, I'm thinking, exactly. (laughs) But that's not what I tell him, you know. I tell him, look, you got to do the whole thing. You got to go from beginning to end. You got to get it right. There's a, there's a way of this, an order to this, a system of this. There's something that works here, and you got to get on there the silent e. You, you can't just you can't go halfway through the word and say that's enough. You you just can't go halfway through the word and say that that's enough. Jesus, C.S. Lewis says if not true, is of no importance at all. If he is true, he is of the utmost importance in your life. The only thing Jesus cannot be is moderately important. It's impossible for Jesus to be moderately important in your life and in the lives of your kids. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we get to learn today, that we thank you that we get to be reminded today the significance (coughs) and the importance of raising children to know who Jesus is. We thank you that we can be confronted with the fact that Jesus is of the utmost importance in our life. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be challenged uh, and to be comforted in many ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't think that it is a stretch. I, I, don't, I don't think that it's, uh, it's overstating the matter. You've probably seen on your bulletin a matter of life and death. A matter of life and death. And, and I don't think that's, that's overstating it. Certainly when we talk about the significance of Jesus in our lives and in our homes and in the lives of our children. We believe. Either that Jesus saves us for all eternity, or we don't believe Jesus saves us. Or we think that we are going to be, uh, uh, you know, disappear into the ether. And so if you look at this, if you believe that Jesus saves you for eternity, that you continue to live in the presence of Jesus Christ, then this is a matter of life and death. In fact, we rarely ever come across things in our lives that are a matter of life and death. Sometimes we do, but they're few and far between. This is one that we confront all the time, every day, every conversation that we have, how our homes are built, how they're run, how they're constructed. We we stare it right in the eye every Sunday morning, a matter of life and death. You see, we want to live. We want to survive. We want to survive eternally, live eternally. 
and it's not, it, it, every person in here that's had kids or had grandkids or whatever it is, they know that they want their kids to survive. They want their kids to live. Live in peace, live in joy. And they want to do that throughout time, throughout history, throughout eternity. And we want to survive. And, and, and we begin over these next few weeks <coughs> to talk about survival of the fit. I started with survival of the fittest, and I don't think that that's correct. But I am going to talk about later on as we start going through January, survival of the fit. We want to be able to survive in Jesus Christ. Particularly when many people around us are not surviving. Particularly when many people around us are passing away, separated from God, filled with uncertainty, and certainly no peace. Most people, sadly not all I suppose, but most people want what's best for the children. They want what's best for the grandchildren. They want them to survive, but more than just survive, to truly live. And this is not just existing. It goes further than that. We want to know that our kids live eternally. We want to know that not just their physical lives are healthy and, and, and we want to give them what we can, but we don't want those physical lives to be the end of their existence. We don't want the physical lives to be the end of their joy. You train up a child. You train up a child. You help training up a child. You provide peace. You provide wisdom. You provide assistance, whether it's child or grandchild. You train them up for their eternal survival. And I'm going to tell you something. That is probably the greatest calling a person can have. It's at least the greatest calling a parent can have. It, 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 is, it is ridiculous to think that a parent has a greater calling than that. To raise their home to know who Christ is. You see, there will come a day when you have passed and your children, your nieces, nephews, your grandchildren, they will not have the same face-to-face -face well of wisdom that you give them. And because of that, starting today, and I don't care if your kids are 5 or 25, you need to leave something behind. Proverbs 13 man of God leaves an inheritance for their children's children. The sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And I suppose, look, there's nothing wrong with leaving some of this inheritance. You could leave money or you could leave land. Uh, you know, if we lived in a different time, you would probably leave title. And nothing's wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Go for it. But what happens when that fails? Hmm? What happens when that's not enough? Because I promise you, that's not going to be enough for all of life. What happens, by the way, when that inheritance is lost or mismanaged or taken or stolen? You don't think it can happen? Happens every day. Taken from you. How far is that inheritance going to carry your kids? You want to build your castle? You want to make your name? That's fine. But how far is that inheritance going to carry your kids? Let me tell you something. Look through history on your own, probably even your own history. If that is done absolutely perfectly with everything working in your direction, it will carry them only to the grave and no further. That's it. Only to the grave. And that's if it's done perfectly and no further. 
But there's more to life, isn't there? Don't we continue to exist? Don't we continue to have consciousness? Don't we continue to have our usness as we go through eternity? We know that there's existence beyond the grave, so what carries them there? What inheritance are you leaving your kids? I received uh, an inheritance. Of course, my parents have not passed away. Um, I, I've sent my parents often throughout the years a reminder of the words of Paul, do not exasperate your children. I've, I can't remember what the rest of that verse says, but I've reminded them of that throughout the years. My parents have passed away. They will one day, so will I. But I've inherited something from my mom and dad and from this church, and from teachers in this church that have come before. I inherited life. And I don't just mean physically being born. I inherited eternal life. I inherited, I was given and inherited peace. I know how to love my wife. I know how to love my son. But more than that, my life and my peace came through the inheritance of instruction to be introduced to Jesus Christ at a young age. And then to be reminded of the importance of that, stressed in my life as I went through life. That's my survival. That's my peace. And there isn't anything anybody in this world can do to take that away. It can't be lost. It can't be stolen. It can't be broken. That's mine. It's an inheritance that serves me in this life. And it serves me in the next. Put it this way. I, I receive dividends from that inheritance through all eternity. How far is your inheritance going to go for your kids, huh? I admit it wasn't always easy. Growing up, I had to be extremely patient. But I'm not sure it's supposed to be easy. I'm not sure it's supposed to be easy training a child. Very rarely are things easy that are worth doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, everyone who keep, competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Strict training, by the way, does not mean severe. That's not what that means. Everybody thinks that's what that means. Strict training does not mean, by definition, doesn't mean severe. It means consistent and serious. That's what it means. Consistent and serious, challenging. Do you want to win or do you want to lose? What about your kids? Do you want your kids to win or do you want your kids to lose? What about the kids in this church, in this body? Do you want them to win or lose? Do you want them to gain a crown that will last forever or never have any hope of it? So what do I mean by win? What does, what does Paul mean by victory? You know, Frank Sinatra, I think it was, whoever dies with the most toys wins, right? It's, it's so much bigger than that. Life is so much deeper than that. And the stakes are so much higher. What Paul means by victory here is eternal survival. And we train our kids to know Jesus, to survive, to live eternally with Jesus. You know, as Tony Evans said in his book, sometimes people spend more time training their dogs than they do training their kids. And I suppose if you look around life, you see some of that sometimes. But notice what God says, strict training. Church, that means that this is intentional. And if it's not intentional, it's not strict training, no matter what your kids happen to glean. 
It doesn't just happen. We all need to be trained. That's why we're sitting here. We all need to be trained, and our kids are no different. In fact, training your children is more effective. You're familiar with the 22nd chapter of Proverbs, this verse you've heard a million times, train up a child and the way they should go, and even when they're old, they won't turn from it. Now, that's a proverb. That's a general rule, not a guarantee, but it's a pretty darn good rule. Training a child is not just teaching through word alone. If you're just telling, then that's not going to do it. Training a child and teaching them is not just through action alone. If you're just showing them and you're not telling them, that isn't going to do it. Training a child and training a home is done through word and action. If you leave out one, you may as well leave out the other. It doesn't make any sense to tell your kids about Jesus and not live out a life dedicated to Jesus. That doesn't do anything. In fact, that does a lot of harm. And I want to tell you something else. It doesn't do a whole lot of good to live out a life dedicated to Jesus but refuse to sit your kids down and teach them, instruct them, and pour wisdom into them. It is done with word and with action. We do not train our kids by merely existing in the same home as they do. You know that's nonsense. You know that's false. Just being in the same room is not training our kids. Imagine, imagine, uh, imagine your kids. Imagine a little, little kid, three years old, three years old. And he comes to his parent and he says, hey, I'm hungry. You know, the way we treat people, the way we treat kids, the way we train kids sometimes is to turn and look at that child and say, hey, look, I think there's food somewhere around me. Try to find it. I, I think there's, didn't, wait a minute, didn't we eat last Sunday when we were at church? You want food today? Why don't you go hunt for it? It's here somewhere. They need to be fed. They need to be fed. You know, your kids need to be fed when it comes to knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know, learn. What are you talking about frustration? If you're raising your kids to know Jesus Christ, you don't know anything about Jesus Christ, you better learn. If you're raising your kids to try to get them to tie their shoes, and you don't know how to tie your shoes, go learn. Spell the word have, and you don't know how to spell the word have, learn how to spell it. There's a silent E on there, by the way. Learn. We pick out good food. We pick out healthy food. We pick out food that's not spoiled or rotten, and we feed our kids. Actually, I think that's where that analogy breaks down. Sam and I had ice cream and candy canes the other night for dinner. We both got in trouble for that. Both blame the other one. No, but we do find out what's healthy for them, feed our children. So the purpose of this training, we've already said that it's eternal survival, that it's real life in Jesus Christ. But what am I training them to do in order to have this crown of victory? I am training them to know Jesus Please note, we need to teach our kids to know Jesus, not know of Jesus. I got news for you. The whole world knows of Jesus. You'd be hard-pressed to go any place in this world and talk to very few people that have never heard of Jesus Christ. whole world knows Jesus. whole world knows of Jesus. We're training our kids to know Jesus. That's our goal. 
knowing Jesus, or knowing of Jesus, knowing about Jesus, or realizing that Jesus once existed, doesn't do anything. We need to know who Jesus is. James chapter 2, you believe that there's one God, good for you. Even the demons believe that. We must train our kids to know Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, Paul writing, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Not just know of him. You don't, really, you don't think Paul knew of Jesus? Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know everything there is to know about him. I want to be a part of his life and him be a part of my life. I want to know Christ. Yeah, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to participate in the sufferings. I want to become like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this. Look, I haven't arrived at my goal. As you're raising your kids, you probably haven't arrived at your goal yet. I don't know. Paul says, I haven't arrived there yet, but I'm not going to stop. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And it all starts as parents in your home. Look, there is supplemental teaching. There's supplemental teaching here at the church. And that teaching is very, very important. But that is never an excuse to give up your own responsibilities. I don't do that with Sam with his regular school. We go through school every single night, every, every school work every single night. Every single night since he has been in school, which is only you know, two years, but every single night, every single one, every one, every one, me and him sit down at the table and we go over what he learned that day, every one. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I say, well, that's a way to do it, but let me show you a better way, right? I do that a lot. That's homework. When it comes to teaching Jesus, do you do homework? You talk about Christ in your home. Do you teach Christ in your home? Do you sit down with your kids and say, hey, let's talk about what we learned today in church. Let's talk about Jesus Christ. Let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about the word of God. After all, it's a matter of life and death. Whether or not Sam learns to write and, and, and read the word have is not a matter of life and death. This is. We've got to sit down and talk to them, train them in our home. It's vital. It's the most important thing we do, and it's a lot more important than a lot of things we do even here in the church. We're going to have our Super Bowl party. That's good. That's fun. I like that. Let's continue to do those things. But if we don't, it's not going to wreck anything. We're going to move on with life. But if we don't teach our kids about Jesus, that destroys everything. Every parent worth their salt. Make sure their kids do their homework. Christ needs to be taught in our homes. The word needs to be taught and lived out. Prayer needs to be a regular part in our homes. Deuteronomy chapter 11, we've already heard this. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Make them a part of your house. Make them a part of your home. So that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. As many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Speaking of supplemental teaching. We do supplemental teaching here. With kids. It's a major part of this church and its ministry. It is a major part of this church and this ministry. This church, the way it is, what it is, this particular body, if you take out children's ministry, you do not have the same thing anymore. Our children's ministry is not an extra thing. It is a vital thing that we do. And all of the ministries, 
that involve your kids, children and our student ministries. Teachers are involved in high and very serious callings if you teach. And by the way, they deserve high honor. They deserve high honor. Because I guarantee you, the, the, the people that teach your kids about Christ are not going to receive high honor anyplace else in this world. They're going to receive hatred. They deserve to receive high honor here. We have seven children's classrooms, each consisting of two grades or ages. When all of our kids are here on Sunday, we currently teach almost 100 kids for both services. And that number only goes up. We have on average 25 days of the year that have children's events, trips, or our children focus not counting, not counting 52 Sundays or the VBS and everything that goes into that. We have 16 weeks of WrestleMania every year serving and teaching 65 kids with just children. We have a week of vacation Bible, Bible school, literally months of preparation to make it go off without a hitch. We're involved in COG, that's Children of God at Benjamin Logan, teaching weekday religious education, teaching chapel lessons at Calvary Schools. We have girls retreats, superstar trips, serving at summer Christian camps, a huge Easter event, basketball tournaments, and all of this is centered on Sunday mornings when our kids get to hear Bible stories about David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's den. They get to see miracles. They get to see the love of Christ. They get to see salvation, purpose, value, forgiveness, kindness, discipline, joy from very often no other place in their lives than right here. All of this stuff happens throughout the year, and I'm leaving stuff out. You want something else? We have one children's ministry. I don't know if you know it. She gives her life to your kids. You give your life to your kids too. Because it's a matter of life and death. You'd be a part of it. You'd be a part of it here. You'd be a part of it in your home. You commit to it. You give your word and you stand by it. Just as these Moms and dads did up here. We have another minister. His name's Cody Cottle. And by the way, he undertakes, in my opinion, one of the most difficult ministries in and out of the church. There's a rather abrupt time in our life when the world begins to encroach upon our family, encroaches upon our kids. They get active. They get busy. They get separated from the safety of continual oversight and question much and, and, and challenge just about everything. And in the midst of that, Cody takes on his role to teach in that environment. Victories are extremely hard to see. Fruit is not often yielded until years down the road. And this is a time in your kid's life when it can be wonderful or it can be incredibly dangerous. This is not the time when you have a teenager to back off. It's the time to ratchet up the challenge. Go larger, go deeper, challenge greater. Maintain your consistency and your instruction as you discipline. You must, you do and must have say in the development of their lives. You can be present. You have to be present. You have to have the hard conversations. I've actually heard people say that so-and-so's driving and he's out of my control. There's nothing I can do. That's nonsense. Grow a spine. Fight for your kids. Particularly when they're teenagers. Fight for your kids. 
tell Satan, you got to go through me if you want to get in this house. And I tell you what, when a mom's fighting for her kids, you'd rather fight a gorilla in a phone booth, right? Fight for your kids. It's through instruction. It's through introducing them to Jesus, saving their lives. Raise them up to know Christ. Be very careful when you say, I can't. That's a big statement, and it carries with it great weight, and most of the time, it's not accurate. I can't is usually a translation from I don't want to. We must learn. We must study. We must ask questions. Talk. Pray. At the very least, try. You know, we might say it's hard to get some of these kids to listen, much less follow. In a month, because of this, in about one month, we're going to start talking about Moses leading a stiff-necked people through the wilderness to the promised land. All of this revolving around leading our homes and teaching them. I want to close with this, and, and, and I know that John is writing to a church. He's not writing to an individual. He's not specifically talking about his biological kids. But in the third uh, letter that John writes, shortest book in the Bible, I think, we find this in verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I think that's your kids. I think that's your grandkids. I think that's the kids in this building. I have no greater joy than to know my kids are walking in the truth. When you participate in teaching your kids about Jesus, there is a peace and a comfort and a joy that comes over your life this, this weight that comes off your shoulders. This is my kids are saved. Oh, they're going to run into trouble. And I don't know how long their physical lives are going to be. We don't know that. But I do know this. They know Jesus. Even with all the mistakes I make as a parent, they know Jesus. And Jesus covers up so many of those mistakes, secures that life to live eternally. That ought to be your goal whether it's with your kids or whether it's the kids in this room or this building, that they may be secure, that they may be held by Christ for that day he is revealed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that you've given us. We thank you, Father, also for the challenges that you give us. We thank you, Father, that we have, we have a mission. We, we have a, every one of us has a purpose. Whether we have kids or not, to be a part of, of children's lives to raise them up to know who Jesus is. Thank you for that purpose. No matter what our mission is, that purpose that we have, what an incredible gift, what an incredible challenge you've given us. We thank you for that, Father. We ask that you'll protect those with children. We ask that you'll protect these men and women who are up here today, that you'll give them wisdom and patience. You'll give them joy as they raise their children to know who Jesus Christ is, that they will see and they will understand as you do, Father. This is a matter of life and death. Jesus, amen. Please stand and say. My hope is built on nothing.
need to realize it's an incredible, incredible opportunity to serve people, serve children in this church and in your home. That's your calling. There's a million other callings, but that one, that one you have to take seriously. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again that we can be challenged today. I ask, Father, that you will stir in the hearts and minds of the people, not not just our folks here, Father, who, who have kids, but everybody sees all of these people that can be that can be taught that can have have their experience have their wisdom just just poured into these kids I ask Father you soften our hearts for them and want them to get to where we are uh, to know to know who Jesus is in his name we pray